2: and our goal is to give you some really good information so you can make good informed decisions. And I want you to know that on 940 AM, KYNO, you can be heard on your car radio, your home radio, all the way from Sacramento to Bakersfield, uh, and the Sierra Nevadas to the ships at sea. So you can also stream us. Let's say you're outside that geographical area. Let's say you're my cousins listen every Saturday over in Italy (laughs) all right well they go to kynofresno.com and stream the show or you can go to our mobile app which is um, kynofresno and download the mobile app and you can get it there and if for some reason you had to miss the show you can always listen to the podcast later on so thank you to all our listeners for tuning in now I said this show is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. Well, to show you how realtors are a cooperative bunch, we kind of have to be. It's the nature of our business. Mm -hmm. Our guest today is the president of the Tulare County Association of Realtors, Mike Allen. Good morning. Good morning, Don. And thanks for making the long, long trek over here to Fresno. Absolutely. All right. Well, actually, you didn't have to drive because you were driven by your Ah, Association Executive, Brett Taylor.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having me here, Don. Excited to be here.
2: Now, you guys are, are you from Visalia or Tulare or Porterville? What's the big city there?
0: Well, we're both in Visalia, which is obviously the the county uh, uh, capital there. I grew up in a small town called Porterville in the southeastern side of Tulare County.
1: And I was born and raised in Visalia. I did live shortly in Fresno when I was going to Fresno State, though.
2: All right. Yep, and Mike, here. you went to Fresno State, Yeah, too.
0: Um, I don't know if I want to mention the class, but uh, but I'll, I'll mention it. I'm on the class
2: of 94 at Fresno State. Go um, dogs! That's right. Um, go dogs! that's a common theme around here. Uh, I remember probably all three of us were back in Washington, D.C. for some National Association of Realtor meetings, and there was a table next to us, and they were talking about Bulldog football. They, Um, And they had nothing to do with Fresno. They didn't know we were from, you know, this area. Mm -hmm. That's how popular the the Bulldogs are. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. All right, little history on these guys. And you guys gotta help me out because you have uh, long checkered histories. (laughs) No, not checkered. Checkered past. Checkered. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. All right, Brett is the CEO of Tulare County Association
1: of Realtors. And the vice mayor of Visalia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you work that? It's a busy schedule. Um, this is my third year serving on the, the council. So uh, it is a very busy schedule. But luckily, uh, I work with good people. And a lot of times when I need to take some time off to take care of some city business, I do it and come back and take care of all the real estate business afterwards. So,
2: mm-hmm. Boy, and I would think your real estate background would really help you on the city council.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's it's huge. Uh, I originally was on planning commission for the city of Isai for eight years. And a lot of that was because prior to uh, serving as a, the CEO for the Tulare County Association of Realtors, I was actually an appraiser and a real estate agent, and it has helped me immensely. It's, it gives you a good insight into, you know, what's going on. And uh, it's been very valuable.
2: hmm. All right. Then Mike Allen. Um you're a third-generation real estate broker. Yes. So, all right. so uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't learn enough to stay out of the business? Well, <laughs> it,
0: it's interesting because uh, my dad, who was a very successful uh, broker and, and, and salesperson in Porterville, always told me, Mike, never get into the business, was adamant <laughs> about me staying out of it. And I was the kid that was a little rebellious and wanted to do my own thing. And I wasn't big on nepotism, so I wholeheartedly agreed. So I went and pursued a corporate career after graduating from uh, Fresno State for about 11 years. And a tragic story I think I shared years ago on this show. Uh, my dad passed away in 2006 and he had a small brokerage in Portoville. And so I quit my 11-year uh, corporate career that I was able to work my way up into leadership um, and moved back to Porterville to run a six-person office. Um, <laughs> not knowing anything about real estate, but being able, because I had a college degree, to crash the broker exam, which you are not allowed to do anymore. They want they actually want real experience for you to be a broker, which is a novel concept, right? Um, but uh, went back, made a lot of mistakes, but was able to figure it out and grow. And, and I'm here today and I own a pretty substantial size brokerage. So.
2: You do, and tell it because I understand you're the an owner of one of Fresno's largest companies.
0: Yeah, iconic uh, brand and office Century Twenty One C Watson has been around for sixty one plus years. Uh, One of the original uh, ten Century Twenty One franchises, which started in the early seventies, and um, you know, so I basically would be considered a third generation owner of that office and company. Uh, also have five other offices in Tulare, Kings, and Bakersfield and Kern counties. Uh, but we're, we're really excited about being here in Fresno. It's been our goal for many years, and we are blessed to, to actually uh, come to an agreement with our friends, uh, the Carries, on uh, taking that baton and, and running with it and carrying the legacy forward and continuing to grow and prosper in the community.
2: You know, John Kerry Sr. was on the radio show here a few years back, and he just all of a sudden out of nowhere says, you know, Don, you got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's something about that guy. You had to like him.
0: Oh, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's just a legend. I remember as a kid watching him on the home show on TV. I don't believe it was on channel 26 back in the day. I remember watching And that. I was fascinated. I'd sit there on a Saturday morning watching this guy with the deep boys, tall, good looking guy and talking about real estate and then they would show you the houses and that that was partially what triggered my interest in real estate and and just homes i still love to tour homes and i think a lot of it stemmed from that show
2: interesting and, and i remember that show too that it was mm-hmm. kind of interesting um all right so obviously you know a thing or two about real estate you've <laughs> experienced it well, give Give us your state of the market today.
0: Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of misconceptions uh, about the market out there right now. And I'd like to start off by saying, um, you know, the, the, the first rule about housing bubbles is we don't talk about housing bubbles because, folks, there is no housing bubble right now. Um, we're in an interesting time period where coming out of a, a post-COVID um, environment, which, you know, really, you, uh, you know, a pandemic is like a natural disaster. It's it's it has a lot of the same effects as a, as a hurricane does, like on the, the, the southeastern states. And basically, um, you know, we, we thought, you know, in early 2020, when when the lockdowns uh, were were put into effect in March, that real estate was going to tank and we were going to go out of business, you know, I was sweating running, running a large brokerage, in a, in a property management firm, thinking you know what's going to happen, and luckily we we were deemed essential to continue doing business. We picked up speed and had a very successful second half of 2020. Um, a lot of that stemmed from obviously you know the you know monetary policy and and the Fed you know and and the government you know uh, dealing with it and pushing money into the economy, quantitative easing, um, and getting people to continue to spend dollars um, really created an accelerated market. So uh, things started moving dramatically. Our volume went up tremendously. We, we had a record year in 2021. Um, and we basically, you know, the byproduct of that, of course, was values went up tremendously year over year. And you know, so then we started you know, seeing an issue with affordability eroding and you know, in all of the country, but you know, we weren't immune here in the Central Valley. And what, what really ended up occurring is with all this money coming in and then people regaining their jobs and the job market really becoming strong, um, you have this thing called inflation. So when we have inflation, of course, the, the Federal Reserve Board and the FMOC, tends to get involved with, you know, determining whether they're going to raise interest rates and they did not hesitate. You know, at some point we hit this inflection point in the market where they're like, we've got to start raising the rates and boy, did they? I mean, we saw five increases in a row uh, rather rapidly. So what happens is coupled with that is mortgage interest rates go up. So as mortgage interest rates rise, obviously it stifles demand and and it creates a, a, a market phenomenon. And here's the here's the analogy I use for what really happened at the end of last year that, that really stifled our market, which, you know, gave an impression of a bubble. But it really wasn't is that, you know, we're we've got this bullet train going 100 miles an hour. Right. And all of a sudden somebody hits the emergency brake and that train just comes to a screeching halt. So all the passengers are in shock. They're looking at each other. They're wondering if they're okay. Thank goodness I'm alive. And then the train says, okay, we're fine. Let's go ahead and start back up. And it slowly starts moving again. And people now adjust and they're fine with everything. So when the rates went up so dramatically and we stopped seeing those those sub 3% and sub 4% rates, which were really a fairy tale, not sustainable, not good for the mortgage or financial markets. It was never going to last long term. uh, People thought, oh my gosh, I got to pay over a 6% mortgage rate. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to get ripped off. And and the reality is, you know, it was a matter of perception. So our market really volume activity wise came to almost a screeching halt. Many markets, including this one, 45 to 50 percent down year over year. So, you know, you know, seemingly it was the end of the, the real estate market world many, and for many realtors But as things started picking back up and the train started continuing, the market started basically improving and people started adjusting to the rates because look, if we look over a 50 year history of mortgage interest rates, you know, going through the early 80s, you know, our parents, you know, mortgage interest rates, they could have been 18, 20% back in 1980, right? And, And it was tough, talk about tough to buy a home back then, it was almost impossible. But you know we've had high rates before, and if you take a 50-year average uh, through this year, it's about 7.8 percent. And we're we're not, even though we're approaching that a little bit, we're still not there. So our rates are still not even the 50-year average. So it's a matter of
1: perspective, right? I remember right. when I bought my first house in 2006, it was a 6.5 percent interest rate. And- that seemed like a pretty good deal yeah, to me. Right. Yeah. Mine was an
0: 8% uh, in the early 2000s, and I was doing somersaults. I thought I, thought I was ripping the bank off.
2: So, and my take on what uh, happened a year ago was not that the interest rates went up, but they went up so fast, it created fear. Right. And, and then I like your term that those rates that were so low, it was a fairy tale. I mean, that couldn't go on forever. So with those thoughts, we're going to our first commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940-KYNO.
0: And I'm proud
2: to be an American, where at least I
0: know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who
1: died. Who well, welcome
2: back to Welcome right Home to Radio. Me, this is Don I'm Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today, we have Brett Taylor, who is the Association Executive for the Tulare County association of realtors our neighbor and good friend and also the 2023 president of the tulare county association and that's mike allen so um in the uh, first segment we heard a lot about that your takes on what the market's like for the business but now because we have an association executive
1: here so Briefly tell us, what, what does an association executive do? So we have two offices, one in Portoville and one in Visaya, But we basically do everything on the back end that allows our realtors to be successful. Um, so you're a support for the realtors? 100%. So it's running all the technology on the back end. It's taking care of uh, the members when they need to come in for education, uh, lobbying. Uh, sales of of different products. We take care of all that and we also make sure that they're uh, taking the classes that they need to and that they're in line with all their their organizational goals for being a realtor.
2: Hmm. I should check your prices compared to Fresno for lockboxes.
1: <laughs> Although I know it's. You probably a, like ours better. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. You know, I, I'll drive all the way to Tulare if I could save a dollar.
1: We sell ours at cost, so I know you're going to like ours better. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: What, what has happened with this, and I'll call it a roller coaster ride in the last 20 years? Uh, what has happened to the membership?
1: Gone up, down, stayed the same? Yeah, so I've been the AE, the Association Executive for eight years, and we have kind of two different metrics that we really track. Uh, one of them is uh, realtor membership, and then the other one is MLS, the Multiple Listing Service membership. So when I started eight years ago, our realtor membership was roughly around 700, and our MLS membership was at 1,100 uh, members. Uh, today, um, if you look at uh, our membership, our realtor memberships about 1,350, and then our mls membership we actually uh, we just had a new year a new cycle and we're currently at 1460 members Um, but until a a week ago we actually had a little over 1800 so membership has grown immensely Uh, i remember at one point we would typically have uh 15 people in a class per month for new realtors and then all of a sudden we're getting 30 and then 40 and then 50 and we were holding two classes because our little uh, our little office wasn't holding all the, <laughs> the individuals who wanted to join. So, uh, yeah, we've seen a tremendous growth in real estate agents over the last eight years, from 1,100 MLS members to now over 1,800, roughly. Wow.
2: It, what do you attribute that to?
1: I think uh, obviously it's a it's a good industry to be in. I mean, everybody that I know in the real estate industry they're good people. They're they're people that you like being around. They're fun. They're you know enjoyable to be around and. People and you have like to be optimistic in this business to survive. <laughs> yeah. They also like being their own boss. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and, and and you know, I think a little bit also is you know, the last couple of years it's been it's been insane. The market's just taken off and I think a lot of people see dollar signs that sometimes are there and sometimes they aren't. Um, but you know it is—it's an exciting industry to be in, and I think everybody has a little piece of real estate in them yeah. that they enjoy.
0: As far as you know, any entrepreneurial opportunity—you um, know—opening up uh, your real estate practice, because because in effect you are a business owner. Um, you know, you associate with a, a broker, or brokerage. Uh, if you're a salesperson, because you have to by law and the broker provides value, but you're running your own business and the, and the cost of entry into this business is one of the least expensive cost of entries to get into a business uh, versus the amount of income you can make this in this business, even your first couple years. And I think a lot of people see that. So when they take the leap from being a, an employee, maybe in a W2 uh, job, you know, they're really looking at that opportunity to where I'm gonna go be my own boss. I don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars and get an SBA loan to start it up and I can get a high return. But I think a lot of the misconception by, by Realtors, new, new ones getting into the market is that it's, it, it could be done time, like a hobby when I wanna do it and I have all this freedom of time. And, and, and the reality is you can control your schedule, but the effort must be full time to succeed, absolutely.
2: Yeah, the, the misconception that you can create your own you'll, you'll have plenty of free time. Yeah. I just took a six day trip to uh, Oregon. Oh I was on the phone yep. so much, so uh, yeah. so much for the free time. Right? Well,
0: well, one of the jokes in our industry and its really holds true is when you travel, whether it be on vacation or anything like on business or on board business like Brett and I do, and you've done Don or you continue to do is you tend to do more business while you're gone it seems like things ramp up those listings start coming through when you're on the road or traveling <laughs> buyers start calling you deals get accepted it's funny um, you know And i joked at one point i should just travel full-time i'd do a lot more business so. <laughs> yeah
1: so <laughs> you do work more i mean when yeah. i practiced real estate years ago i was working nights weekends i mean just constantly so uh, your hours are different but uh, i remember the first six months I, I wasn't making any money and I was thinking oh, this is really difficult mm-hmm. this is hard and you know you start thinking how am I gonna start paying bills and then all of a sudden I've f- closed a few transactions mm-hmm. and I think uh, I probably closed about four or five in a three-week period and right. I made almost as much as I made the previous year at my my W2 job Yeah,
0: life-changing mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned Don uh, you, to be a, a successful realtor or salesperson um, you've got to be optimistic and I think it's that Coupled with this thing called blind faith. So when you get into the business, there's a tremendous amount of blind faith that you're going to succeed because what you're doing in your first six to twelve months are simply planting seeds, and a lot of those, you know, they don't grow and germinate and grow right away. But like Brett said, all all of the sudden, if you're consistent, things start happening, and then you get that momentum.
2: You know. I think that's the key word: consistency. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, if a realtor gets in the business, they're consistent in their effort. Uh, and I always, somebody asked me one time, well, what do you do every day that, you know, t- to make it? Mm-hmm. I said, get up in the morning, lean forward, and let momentum take you. Yeah, yep. <laughs> the big mo, we call it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. The other thing we call, um, like, as soon as you take a plan a trip, it's Murphy's Law of Real Estate. That's when the business starts happening. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> all right. Um, so going back to that support system that you give uh, realtors and MLS members, what, can you
1: elaborate on that a little bit? How, how would you help a realtor with their business? So, yeah, one of the things you'd mentioned was lockboxes. Uh, that's something that, that we take care of in-house. Uh, all the lockboxes for people's homes, getting access to those. And we want to make sure people's homes are secure. So that's something that we run. We also run the the multiple listing service, uh, just like the Fresno Association. We also run our own uh, MLS here in Tulare County. And so that's completely on us. We have two full-time staff who run our MLS. And so when you're going into realtor.com and Zillow, that's all of our data that we've been policing that we verify. And obviously that is key. You want to make sure that the information that's there, it's true, it's accurate, correct, uh, because people rely on that and the decisions they make. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're constantly just busy. Uh, we actually even have uh, one of our employees. She's essentially a full-time party planner. And we found out years ago that uh, the more activities you have with the other realtors, just the easier the transactions are to come together. Because, you know, Don and I, we know each other. We've, we've been hanging out for years and, and I've known Mike for a long time. And if we were going to do a transaction, it would be so much easier because we have a good relationship. And right. so we figure that out. And, and so we do a lot of events. A lot of education which really helps our realtors build that connection amongst themselves to make the transaction smoother for the clients it is good to know one another because you can save a lot of time i recently
2: had an out-of-town broker and she must have thought i was just gotten the business because she was schooling me <laughs> 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 and it's yeah. like uh-huh, uh-huh yes i know i know right where it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um yeah so and Actually, I think she's the one that needed to be schooled.
1: Did you tell your member uh, ID number? <laughs> oh, you guys know about that all the way in, in
2: Tulare
0: County. <laughs> you, yeah. You know what? The we call some of the long tenured agents. You know, I you hear repeatedly. Well, you know, don't tell me. I've been in the business twenty years. I'm going to tell you. And I, then I, I I'd like to think, although I, I might have said it before. I don't say it anymore. But I, I'm kind of thinking that. Well, yeah. You've, you have. Basically, one year's worth of experience twenty times is, is what I'm gathering here. So, <laughs>
2: right. now Brett made reference to my member number, so uh, you must yeah. have heard this story. I, the the typical member number now here in Fresno is five digits. You know, uh, 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 one eight seven three four. Mine is just forty three. <laughs> yep. uh, now I'm not that old but i think back then they must have recycled numbers so that's interesting uh,
0: easy one to remember
2: yeah maybe that's why they gave it to me <laughs>
1: <laughs> although i do remember to show up here every saturday morning <laughs> they knew you're going to be one of the iconic ones so they're going to give you the the low numbers yeah. that's right <laughs> they gave me something that people can tease me about we or have something. we have a few in our association that have the, the single digit numbers and Uh, They're still in the industry, you know. A lot of them are probably pushing in their 70s now. But, uh, yeah, a lot of respect to those individuals. All right. I'm not that old. Nope.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So, Mike, as president of the Tulare County Association of Realtors, and I know that you were president of a thing called – not a thing – an association called Orange Belt a few years back. Um, Tell us what is Orange Belt, but also what does the president do? Sure. So
0: basically, uh, the Orange Belt Board of Realtors, which was established many years ago, um, you know, back in roughly the 50s, was the Southeastern Tulare County Association that really covered what we call the Orange Belt area, which was Porterville, Strathmore, uh, Ter- Terabella, Horse, Springville areas. And I was, uh, being from Porterville and getting into that market initially, um, I was honored to be the past president actually twice. I served back-to-back terms in 2013 and 14, and um, then eventually we did a merger uh, with Orange Belt and Tulare County because we felt that between both associations, it was, it was to our members' benefit to have one larger association countywide, but maintain the office location in Porterville. Uh, to serve the local realtors there, but bring a lot more value and resources and technology and training and support to the agents countywide. And it's turned out to be a great union and it was a wise decision. So at at the urging of uh, the Tulare County um, board historically, going back, I've served on that board for many years. Um, They wanted me to go up through leadership and eventually be president there. And it finally became a good time to do that. And I started leadership a few years ago, and then I'm president this year. And it's, it's been it's been a great experience. So really, the association president, it's, it's really being sort of the, the, the face and the voice of the association and to really represent the association uh, in a positive fashion, but also to lead and guide and set the example of, of what realtors should do and, and really highlighting the code of ethics and, and really highlighting education and professionalism. And somebody asked me, Mike, what's your agenda for 2023? And I said, look, I'm not out to change the world like most. I mean, I'm not gonna do the 100 day presidential thing where I try to accomplish hundred different things. I said, my focus is primarily on realtor professionalism this year and raising the bar of our industry because we can always do better. And unfortunately, just like almost any industry out there, you have bad players and our job is to either educate the bad players to stop doing what they're doing or you know see that they're exited out of out of the industry and so that's been a lot of my focus this year but also being in a very you know I didn't I in a way I wish I was president in 21 at the the height of our our, our market cycle and and everybody was making money and doing well you know I got the downturn year uh you know the, you know coming out of 22 but but i like that because i feel that my job is to lead and encourage them that it's okay we're going to be fine and this is where we're headed just keep keep resolute keep doing what you're doing stay consistent and we are going to succeed
2: this year and i've done a lot of that so yeah as president you don't get to pick what happens in your year Uh, correct (laughs) you can ask me i've been president twice 2008 and 2020 some, you, two interesting times, right there. Yeah, <laughs> one I'm, going down, one going up, right. But both of them had global, a uh, global recession Jeez. and a global pandemic. Uh, interesting, the things that had to be. It, it really made you step up as a leader. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah it did. And in 2020 was interesting because you 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 led. It was a virtual presidency, right? I mean, everything was pretty much on Zoom that year for you.
2: Yeah. For the yeah, most part. I didn't like that part. But. Oh, I
0: didn't either, trust me. But, but it, I, yeah, I yeah, I definitely um, congratulate you on getting through that year and, and doing a great job because it was a tough year to be president, obviously.
1: And for our association, all that technology was actually almost a godsend. It helped us advance significantly in technology aspects where it's changing the way we do business now. I mean, now mm-hmm. people don't have to come in to reprogram lockboxes. And, you know, our, our classes aren't taught in – in our classrooms anymore now they're taught online so yeah for some people it wasn't good for others you know it was fantastic
2: well when we get back from our commercial break i'm going to tell you the effectiveness of some of those online courses that (laughs) Tulare county offers that i have personal experience in so stay tuned to welcome home radio 940 KYNO. i i'm proud of the house
0: we built it's stronger than stick stones and steel
2: place Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on Welcome Home Radio. And today in the studio, we have Mike Allen, the president of the Tulare County Association of Realtors, and Brett Taylor, the association executive from Tulare County. So as we get into the next two segments, we're going to learn a lot about um, inventory, why is inventory down? Why are there not enough houses out there for people? Um, but I did say I was gonna talk about the ineffectiveness of online courses. <laughs> so I've been involved in real estate for a few years, so I should know a thing or two, right? Why well, to take a MLS orientation class, and I probably shouldn't be saying this to you, Brett, you're probably gonna take away my credential, but, <laughs> I had to take a class there, and it was online. So I thought, oh, good. While I'm listening to that, I can also be multitasking and inputting this listing and doing this and doing that. Well, at the end, there was a test on Cahoots, I think it Mm -hmm. was called. Anyway, me, I scored 33rd out of 37 people.
1: So, I, I didn't do too well. We won't take your well. license away, I promise. I've, I've joked around with Gene, who runs our MLS. I said, we should just throw some nonsense questions in there just to see if they're paying attention, you know? <laughs> Maybe ask them uh, when this the city was founded or how long our, our association has been around, just to see if people pay attention. But we, uh, haven't, got, we haven't gotten there yet. Over 100 years, <laughs> right,
2: is what you've been around?
1: Yeah, for? we actually just completed our 100-year anniversary uh, two years ago. So Okay. Um, so, I want to go off of that experience. What... um.
2: What are the common misconceptions about today's market and the interest rates?
0: Well, it's, it's interesting, Don, because, you know, I, I'm going to steal a term that the chief economist of California Association of Realtors uh, has used multiple times, but he calls it the brother-in-law effect. So, <laughs> and, and forgive me for all you brother-in-laws out there. I'm a brother-in-law. I may be one of those brother-in-laws to some degree, but... Really, the the gist of it you could almost almost call it the neighbor effect, which is you know they know more than everybody else about everything, including the real estate market. And the brother-in-law effect is well, the market's crashing. Um, this you know we're in trouble, and it's now and it's not a great time to buy or sell. And really creating a false or uneducated narrative. And us as realtors, we've got to make sure the correct narrative and the correct data is out there for our clients and the general public. So. So here's the deal. I mean, the bottom line is the markets is still very robust. There's still a lot of a lot of buyer demand despite uh, what's going on with interest rates. But really, I like a a famous quote from Mark Twain, you know, buy land, they're not making it anymore. So there will always be a popularity and a need to buy land. Also talk about the the big Ds of of, of selling or buying real estate, well, mainly selling is divorce, downsizing, disaster, debt, death default and and a big one is diapers right we, we have children we need more rooms you know we need more space we need a bigger backyard we need to be in a and and maybe a, a more desirable school district so really the demand isn't going away despite rates going up um we're certainly not in a bubble um you know we are in a very financially stable mortgage market compared to the great recession you know in the '08 to the 2012 time frame um you know there's very little debt default right now um the banks are really vetting loans um they're requiring um you know basically um you know lower dtis what we call debt to income ratio they're they're requiring just just more solid scenarios and those liar loans those stated income loans things like that are a, a thing of the past so we're, we're not on the verge of any kind of disaster here but Really when we when we get down to the local Central Valley, Fresno, Tulare, Kern, Kings County marketplaces, which is our neck of the woods and, and where I have offices and really analyze, you know demand for homes aren't going away substantially because we live in four of the, the, the lowest cost of living areas in California. And our housing affordability in these markets range um, from 32 to 37% compared to 18% average for California. And what is housing affordability? This is an index which measures the amount of population uh, that can afford to buy or purchase a medium priced home. So we use that as a relational tool to see is housing affordability eroding or is it increasing and we're still in in the highest um, housing affordability counties in the state of california and the other thing is um you know new business and industry and brett can share more detail on this it's flooding into our area because why cheaper to build cheaper cost of labor Um, you know a lot of people are leaving metropolitan markets that are able to telecommute now coming out of the post-covid environment where where businesses and and corporations are downsizing their office space because they realize that, you know, allowing their, their employees work to work from homes, they're still productive and they, they cut out a lot of overhead. Um, you know, and that's a big factor in our relative counties here. The other thing uh, about rents, rents year over year in most of our markets were up 18 to 20%. So in many situations, it's more expensive to rent a, Let's say three-bedroom, two-bath house than it would be to purchase and, and pay a PITI principal, interest, taxes, insurance mortgage, and that creates a lot of demand because these people realize they could get a lower cost of living payment, and also they're building wealth by you know uh, creating equity in the property. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, you know we're not in a bubble. Demand is there for all those reasons. And I think, it, you know, as the economy improves, that demand will continue to go up. Really, the question is just inventory, which I know we'll get into.
1: Yeah, it's huge. It's kind of funny, I always get people ask me the question, Brett, so when's the real estate market gonna crash? And, and I'm thinking, well, why do you think that? Well, interest rates and everything else. And uh, the funny thing about that is most of them want it to crash so they can go in and buy more real estate. Right, you know. Oh, but Mike, Mike kind of hit it on the head about affordability. You know. Yeah. One of the things I I love, you know, telling people that are are coming to Visalia, whether I'm representing the association or as a, you know, a council member is I talk about Visalia's affordability. Mm -hmm. You know, my brother lived up in the Bay area and he was able to sell a small, 1100 square foot home and come down and and live in Visalia. And for less than what he sold sold his 1100 square foot home, he was able to buy a 3,400 square foot home in one of the nicest neighborhoods in Visalia. And so affordability is a huge key. Um, way more than than interest rates but yeah the the volume of homes that are available it's it's pretty sh- pretty low i think we're yes. 1.7 2.2.1 somewhere on their months of inventory which is historically some of the lowest uh, inventory levels we've ever seen yeah. yeah
2: i remember just oh 12 13 years ago there were so many homes on the market we had a 12 month supply
1: we had 15 at our peak oh wow
2: yeah. See, that's why I, I didn't do well on that test. At, at I think at we left that County. question in
1: there for you. <laughs> yeah.
2: It was a geographical difference. That, that was the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I just saw a TV news story on a major channel, uh, and it was called Rent Versus Buy. And it looked like these people were from New York City, somewhere, some big city back east. But they were saying... If you, I ran the numbers and it doesn't make sense to buy. It makes sense to continue to rent. He goes, you know, and there's all these phantom costs such as property tax, uh, buying a new roof, repairs. He's, I'd rather have someone else
1: pay for those repairs and property tax. What's your comment to that?
0: You want to answer
1: that, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's kind of funny because who do you think's paying for that? It's the renter. I yeah. mean, I know Mike owns Rentals. I, I, own, I only own one now. I used to own a few, and I, I'm sure you own some, Don, but nobody's doing this, you know. Uh, it's a business. We're, we're doing it to provide housing, sure, but we're doing it to make money. So, yeah, if the roof's going bad, uh, you might not be paying for that upfront cost of a $20,000 roof, but at the end, the yeah. tenant's paying, you know, rent. And that rent's covering all those expenses plus still profit so that comment makes zero sense
0: yeah and in rent you know rentership i mean it's to me i view it as a a transitionary um you know need you know ideally it's not a permanent thing because you know the dream of home ownership should be tantamount but you know, people may not be in an area long. They just say it's better to rent now because I know I'm, I'm going to be relocating in a year or two. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, CAR, California Association of Realtors, looked at this. And I'm, I'm giving you approximate numbers because I don't, I don't have the data in front of me. But they, they, they did a net worth analysis of the average California citizen that owns a home versus a, uh, a renter that hasn't owned a home. And the, the average net worth of the homeowner was 250000 versus 8,000 of the renter. So I don't know how you argue that it's better to rent long-term than it is to own at this point, just based on that analysis alone.
2: And the bad part is this wasn't just a comment. This was an actual news story on a major channel on on television, and they tried to put legitimacy to it. And and I'm going to agree with you. There are times when there it is oh, better yeah. to rent if I you're short term. Yep. Yeah, I've done it in college times, when I was yeah. younger.
1: when I was building building my career. I mean, it's a it's a great opportunity because you don't have those extra funds when something big does come up. Yeah,
0: yeah, I did it. You know, I wanted to live up in a, a place called Montgomery Ranch, Triple R area. It's a foothill community near near the River Island Country Club, and I knew it was a short term scenario. And I I rented a house for two years before I relocated to Visalia, just to experience it and there's another opportunity. And I, I, you know, I, But at the end of the day, that was a specific reason, and it, you know, and I did very well with my purchase in Visalia. My equity within a seven year
2: time period is just tremendous right now. Well, when we get back from this next commercial break, I wanna get into the why do we have a shortage of inventory and having a vice mayor of Visalia with us, I think is gonna really help. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940-KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio we have Brett Taylor, the Vice Mayor of Visalia and also Association Executive at the Tulare County Association of Realtors. And we have Mike Allen, who is the owner of uh, several Century 21 offices here in the Valley, and also president of Tulare County this year. All right, so we've got this shortage of inventory. By inventory, we mean supply and demand is out of check or Mm -hmm. out of balance. Um, There's more buyers, despite the high interest rates and the brother-in-laws and the Mm son-in-laws that are giving advice. Um, but yet th- there's just not enough homes for sale. Why, why would that be? And from the vice mayor's uh, point of view, what do you think?
1: So one of the things that that Visalia in particular had uh, come up was when we passed our general plan a little over 10 years ago, uh, there was a, a provision called the farmland mitigation provision, which means every time someone developed one acre of, of housing or commercial, industrial, it didn't matter, you had to preserve... Uh, You had to put an easement on a piece of farmland outside the city limits that that property could never be developed Well, um, we were looking at implementing that policy and before we did we actually ended up trying to get rid of it Uh, We we got sued and they said no you guys you'd have to do a new environmental impact report And that was gonna take significant amount of time upwards of two years Uh, so we decided to go ahead and move forward with this policy and because we weren't able to to have that, we couldn't open up our tier two in a, a timely manner. So, Viseya grows very strategically. We have a tier one, tier two, and tier three. And so, we had a, a whole list of developers that were saying, Hey, we want to build more homes of Viseya, but we can't because this farmland mitigation policy isn't in place. And so, uh, we actually just recently, about a month ago, uh, did implement that policy. It's now in effect. And we have uh, I pulled some numbers right before we got here. We have about 2,000 homes that are in the pipeline right now uh, for organizations or companies that are going to be building in in Visalia. Now, obviously, a lot of that would be over years and years, but uh, that's that's one of the major issues for Visalia. But on top of that, there's interest rates and other things, which you know I, I think Mike would probably be able to speak really well to that.
0: Yeah, it you know it's interesting that as far as inventory goes. If you look at Again, our four-county market from Fresno to to Kern, um, you know, we're sitting on less than uh, two months' worth of inventory. Which means basically, if we didn't list one more home or there wasn't one more construction home built, we'd be out of inventory in two months. But we've just barely been keeping up with supply on it. Um, obviously, new construction is is a is really a supplement to the resale inventory. And we as realtors are involved in many, many times helping facilitate those purchases with the new home neighborhoods and builders. Um, but they're, they're still just not keeping up in most markets. Um, and you know, it's, it's a situation where that's a California wide phenomenon. I mean, the, the amount of permits, uh, pulled over the last couple of years versus, you know, a decade ago or are like down 30% yet the state population has grown more than that um it's it's a scary phenomenon and something we need to get our hands around i don't have a magic pill or solution to it um, other than really you know hopefully we keep building um and we keep the municipalities and the counties uh, stay builder friendly um, and make things happen quicker and um and then you know also with the influx of business industry into our area it, it's just an absolute necessity or else we're going to see a phenomenon where people start leaving our area, or even worse, for California, leaving the state, which we are, but that we don't want that to accelerate, so. Yeah.
2: And you mentioned the influx of businesses, which also means an influx of people. Yes. So people are migrating here, uh, immigrating here to the Central Valley, whether they're from the Bay Area, Los Angeles, or another state, they're coming here, and. Mm-hmm. There needs to be housing for them. It ne- needs yeah. to be. Absolutely. Um, you've got to have that infrastructure. Yes. Now I hear that on a statewide basis that, you know, we're just not building enough homes, mm-hmm. but um, it can't be just that. Cause when you drive around the central Valley, there's new home starts going up everywhere. Um, what, so what are some of the other reasons people aren't selling their homes?
1: So I, uh, Definitely, the Central Valley is is one of the the last remaining places where you can really build in California, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of growth here. Uh, and, and you probably know, I, I think when I ran our numbers sometime last year, we were seeing like a a decent percentage of the home sales were going from out of town buyers, whether they were rentals or people, you know, telecommuting or just moving here. But I think at the time it was roughly around fifteen percent of the people that were buying homes were from out of the area, like the Bay Area, the Bay Area, uh, LA. Um, so I think you definitely are seeing a lot of growth because we have the land to grow. You know, the Bay Area, it's full. L.A. is full. So that's a great answer
2: to, uh, to my my pondering there. And that is we're seeing a lot of building here, but that's because we're one of the only areas in mm-hmm. California that is.
0: Right. And the other thing on the resale side it's you know, you've had a lot of sellers, uh, prospective sellers, homeowners that bought on a low interest rate, you know, sub three, sub four and they're reticent to give that up to exchange it for uh, six and a half to seven. And But the thing that sellers have to know out there right now, if you have the need and desire or any of the, the five Ds or six Ds I gave you earlier, reasons to sell, you know, if you bought two plus years ago, you're probably sitting on some good equity. So yeah. don't forget about taking that equity and rolling it into a purchase because look, if you have the need the best time to have bought real estate, I'll use a Chinese proverb, um, was 20 years ago. The second best time to buy real estate is today. So if you have the need to sell and purchase, it's not a bad time because guess what? You're not married to the interest rate. We're using this term, you date the interest rate, but you know, you, you ultimately marry the house, the house of your dreams there's this thing called refinance that you can do in a year or two that will take that mortgage rate back down and you can take advantage of the equity you have in your home today. So consider that. And if we can get more sellers to realize that we can get more resale inventory on the market.
1: Well, Don, you'd also brought up a good point about how people were buying and I'll kind of phrase this in the way that I think you, you had explained it, but that people were buying homes bigger than really what they would normally be able to afford because interest rates are so affordable. You know, me, people might have only needed a 1,500-square-foot home, but they could afford a 2,000-square-foot home. So then it, it's allowing flexibility for, mm-hmm. hey, I have a bigger home. We have extra kids. I already have a home that's, you know, can, can adapt for that. And so I think that that also uh, is, you know, plays a big part in it. It does. And then at the end of the day, you know, interest rates. If, if you're comfortable, you have a nice home that you've, you've purchased and the interest rate's good, You know, for a lot of people, unless you have to move because of job or, you know, other relocation or, you know, larger home, you kind of tend to wait until you really need to move. Correct. All right. I'd like to ask you this question as we wrap up our show. Mike
2: Allen, what is the thing you want our listeners to remember most about today's show?
0: Well, I'll give you three scenario crystal ball uh, predictions, which I I promised Don uh, when I agreed to do the show. And I'm not saying anyone's going to happen, but number one, you know, if, if inflation continues to remain high and they can't get it under control, you know, the Fed, uh, the Fed will continue to to increase rates. We're predicting two more quarter points this year, but they could be even more aggressive. That means we can see mortgage rates that crest above eight percent, further erode affordability, and and basically, um, you know, give us a bigger challenge in the real estate market. Next, if the CPI, the consumer price index. Uh, responds more favorably to to the Fed's rate hikes, you know, inflation inflation gradually decelerates, we can see really a soft landing and really stabilize the end of this year, probably between six and a half to 7% for the remainder of 2023, and might even get back down to the fives in the first part of next year. Last scenario is I think that if the Feds get super aggressive on curbing inflation, the economy could fall into a recession in which, you know, we have all kinds of issues, but rates will start going back down dramatically at that point.
1: All right, and Brett. So for me, the takeaway about what we've talked about today is that the market's always changing. Sometimes it's going up, sometimes it's flat, sometimes it's it's going down. The market always changes, but it, it goes back to affordability. You know, I, I know some people get frustrated, and they're like, I'm, I've made a lot of offers, and you know, I'm not getting them accepted, or interest rates are going up too high, or, and then when the market goes down, well, I don't want to buy that. It's a, it's an asset that's losing value. At the end of the day, it comes down to affordability. If you need yep. a home. Uh, And you can afford to live in that home, it's for the most part, it's going to be a really good investment long term. All
2: right. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming in today and sharing your knowledge and your experience with all our listeners. And I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in to Welcome Home Radio. We'll be back again next Saturday. Take care.